Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Available now from the Radio Theatre Workshop. Elite. Lave Revolution. This is Lave, or Lave 1 to give the correct designation. You crashed somewhere here. What do you know about Lave? Many independent systems are ruled by warlords and madmen. Lave was once one of the most important systems in the galaxy. In those days, every independent pilot worth their salt got a license from Lave. Lathe has been ruled by one man, Hans Walden, for nearly 100 years. Over a hundred years? The same man? Were you alive back then? They call him the Good Doctor. A rebellion forms on Lathe. Uh, You people need to respect us! Or is it a test? Everything is a test. Many of you aren't old enough to remember the Alioth Rebellion. I don't need heroes. I require diligence and duty. One of the most ambitious full-cast audio productions ever attempted by an independent studio. Captains, I require all vessels to be at combat-ready status within the hour. Featuring Toby Longworth and Beth Eyre, known for Star Wars and wooden overcoats. You aren't aware that the good doctor expects results. Wait, how bombs, what are you doing? Now you understand how serious we are! A five-hour full-cast space opera from the creators of Escape Velocity. Multiple warships inbound, sir. I need your ugly ship and its escorts. Based on the official Elite Dangerous novel. I need your pilots, fighters and military expertise. Witness the revolution. In exchange, I offer you... Blave. Well done, Prefect. You're looking tired, my friend. Elite. Lave Revolution. Now available on digital download and custom USB edition from www.radiotheatreworkshop.com or search on your favourite audiobook distributor. Are you really doing your part for Lave's return to glory, citizen? Agonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 9 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 9, New Norms.
After three days, Ray finally allowed Adrian to examine Sam's injuries and see what he could do to treat her. Don't you dare hurt her. If she says stop what you're doing, you better stop. If you're so worried about what you think I'm trying to do, just be there when I examine her. Ray cringed and shook her head. I already told you I can't be around that stuff. I can help him if you want me in there. Or I can wait outside with you for moral support. Go help him. But I swear you better. Kat reached out and placed a comforting hand on Ray's shoulder. But Ray moved forcefully out of Kat's reach and turned her back to them. Go on now and get it over with. Adrian handed Kat a pair of latex gloves and a mask before stepping inside the women's sleeping room, which had been converted into Sam and Ray's bedroom. The rest of the women now shared the men's sleeping room, while Ira had relocated to his teaching hall. Kat still hadn't seen him and wondered if he was purposely avoiding her. She wasn't thrilled he didn't just face her and get the confrontation over with, but she was pleased with his absence until he decided to face her. Hi, Sam. I don't think we've been properly introduced. My name is Adrian. Sam smiled and shook his outstretched hand politely. Kat felt a twinge of jealousy, then pushed the feeling away with disgust. She's dying for Christ's sake. Get a hold of yourself, Kat. Are you in any pain? Not really. Everything feels kind of... numb. That's not good, is it? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You have a lot of significant injuries. Your amputation was done poorly. Your skin has significant damage from oversaturation. The abscesses are clearly infected. Can you tell us what they did to you? Maybe that will help with what I can do. Sam leaned back and stared up at the ceiling. Tears started falling in quick succession, staining the pillow positioned underneath her head. Kat leaned over Adrian and reached for Sam's hand, squeezing it lightly to let her know she was there. I know it's hard to talk about. I was only there for a short time and it's hard for me to even think about it. But you... God, Sam. They had you this whole time? Ever since we first came to the commune, you were there? God, this seems like forever ago. I just want to spend the little time that I have left with Ray. And you guys. Adrian, is it really that bad? Adrian pursed his lips and shook his head solemnly. From what I can tell, her skin is so broken down and infected that I wouldn't even know how to start treating her. Where did they keep you? But Sam had fallen asleep. She was so weak that the little energy she had was already spent. Adrian and Kat stared at each other in utter disbelief and confusion. What happened in that place? We were all kept in separate areas. It's hard to say for sure. Jenny said she found Sam submerged in a barrel of water. I guess she had been in there for so long her, her skin was falling off. But why? What was the point? These guys were crazy. They kept these creatures in all the tanks in the aquarium. In all honesty, I think they were feeding people to them. They were so aggressive and bizarre looking. Adrian ran a hand through his hair in frustration. And what did they do to you? How were you able to escape? Kat rolled up her pant leg to show him her scar. His eyes flashed with anger. Damn it, Kat. I know you hated it here, but fuck. 
You could have really gotten yourself killed by these guys. Adrian, calm down. I didn't die. It's only a cut. I'll live. And we brought Sam home. Doesn't that count for anything? Even if she doesn't make it, she gets to die here. Surrounded by survivors who care about each other. And who care about her. Kat sighed, unwilling to apologize for her decision to flee. As she turned around to leave the room, tears started to cloud her vision, and she felt a hand wrap around her waist. Adrian was beside her now, holding her tightly in his arms. And for the first time, she didn't feel alone. Kat was learning to cope with the frequent visions of her parents and vivid dreams of her past. Strangely, she started to long for the island, despite her vow never to return. With Father Weber dead, Ira in mourning solitude, and Ray's preoccupancy with Sam, she was free to spend her days however she chose. Periodically, she found herself drawn to the isolation tank room. She would secretly sequester herself for hours on end, meditating and seeing visions. But nobody questioned her whereabouts, as long as she made herself present at the chow hall for dinner every night. Cat, are you okay? Yeah, why do you ask? No reason. Cat looked around the table, and everyone was staring at her. What's everyone looking at? Looking a little puffy there, Miss Cat. Looking what? You guys are so rude. Don't listen to them, Cat. I always get a little bloated when I'm on my cycle. Just ignore them. Can we please go one meal without someone mentioning something gross? Ray, come on, you're a woman too. Doesn't mean I want to hear about it constantly. Yeah, I'm with Ray. Save that talk for the bathroom. <laughs> Don't be misogynistic, Ravi. Oh, God, here we go again with that. Listen, I am the most feminist person I know. I love women. Amen, brother. Same here. <laughs> yeah, I imagine back in the day you were a real player. Kat smiled, slightly embarrassed, and tried to steer the conversation to another topic. She had no idea what they were talking about, but like most other things, she played along until she could discover otherwise. Adrian, Adrian, please, please. Please, please, anything, I'll give anything, please, please do something for my Sam. No, no, God, no. For the very first time in months, the heat became tolerable. While the thunder hadn't brought any rain, the day after Sam died was overcast. The ideal weather for the somber atmosphere of the commune. Although she hadn't been among them for very long, Sam's presence made a lasting impact on the group of survivors. Sam was special, but she wasn't the first person we lost since this all began. She'd do something for all of them. The survivors came to the agreement to bury Sam in the adjacent lot behind the commune, outside the fence, a small, plastic white cross adorning her gravesite. Next to hers, they buried Clark and Tanner's remains, mostly just bones by this point, and gathered for a commemorative celebration of life for all those they had lost, both recent and not. Heather requested to speak first. 
I want to start by saying I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Before the storm and the madness began, I was nobody. I. Well? Well, what? Aren't you even gonna ask me? What do you want me to say? It's a boy! <laughs> okay, and? I could have sworn he was a girl. I, I had dreams about having a daughter. Tony, can you even try to act like you're a little excited? It's our first baby together. And a boy, no less. <laughs> I am not in the mood to hear you run your mouth today. I just told you we're having a son and you have nothing to say? I already have a son, and a daughter, and a wife. So excuse me for not doing a backflip. You said you wouldn't bring them up while you're here. You know what? I'm gonna get out of here because you're making my damn blood pressure go up. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Tony, please don't leave. Nah, I'm out. It's getting way too complicated with you, and I can't keep coming over here on the other side of town to kick it with you. My girl is getting suspicious. What about me? What about our son? Man, move! I don't have time for this. I'm late. Please, please don't go. I'm sorry. Tony, please... Please stay with me. I... I don't want to be alone right now. These overdue rent notices are old as hell. Are you about to get kicked out? Uh... Yeah, that... That's something else I wanted to talk to you about. Nah. I'm gonna stop you right there, Heather. I told you... This wasn't serious. I told you we weren't serious. You knew I had a family. I, I got responsibilities. Well, guess what, Tony? You're about to have one more member. Look. Let me see what I can give you this month. But after that, I can't give you any more. You need to figure it out. Go stay with your mom or something. You lied to me. Look, you're fun to kick it with, but you knew I had a girl. I could never build my life with a junkie. I got morals, you know? I just need a couple months rent so I don't get thrown out. I, I have nowhere else to go. I told you I can't give you any more money after this. $147. That's not even half of one month. Oh, yeah, man. I gotta get going now. Where are you going so fast? I'm going home. My old lady's texting me about where I'm at. See you around, Heather. I wanted to pretend that I could hide all my mistakes from the rest of the world. But all those mistakes I was making, the drugs, the booze, the men, they all came out in my tiny, beautiful boy. I paid for everything bad I had ever done by never getting to hear him cry or grow up or tell me he loves me. 
my punishment is getting to live in this this world with death around every corner and not being able to remember my son's face. Now that Father Weber is gone, I feel like Christian would be safe resting here. His memory, at least. <laughs> Heather's lip quivered and she took a step backward. She started to lose her grip on reality and didn't want to have another meltdown in front of everyone. Her head throbbed, and she could feel a whisper in her ear. Wait! Ravi pulled a piece of dirty-looking notebook paper from his pocket. He slowly unfolded it, revealing its contents first to Heather, then to the rest of the group. There on the sheet of paper was a small face, two little hands, an angelic, peaceful smile. Kat smiled as she recognised the image right away. She had, of course, been the very first one ever to see him. Through his poor vision and colourblind eyes, Ravi had spent the night after Christian's birth drawing the baby over and over until he had his image perfect. As he was sketching, he felt cold air blowing on the back of his neck. He shivered as he heard the whooshing of water streaming down from the ceiling tiles. Ravi leaned over the bed, surprised when the candle illuminating the room blew out. Hello? The faintest of whispers tickled his ear, and he could have sworn the voice was coming from the water itself. Adrian? Is that you? Cat? Jenny? Do not fear, love. It is I. Who are you? I can't see a thing in the dark. Are you another survivor? The stream of water began to fall directly on his head, and the water caressed him. What's happening? I heard you calling, so here I am. What do you want from me? I didn't call for anyone. I was only thinking about Christian. He was taken. Yes. I know this. I see all. What happened to him? Why was he taken? All of life is made up of water. Yes, I know this. It's basic biology. What does that have to do with anything? For a child that has not yet touched the ground is a great source of power. Unlimited energy. Limitless water. I don't understand. Who will use the power of a newborn baby? And for what purpose? <laughs> Your questions tire me. Please! I want to know! Is he alive? Can you at least tell me that much? Tell no one I was here. Not even his mother? Especially not the mother. The candle relit, and the water receded from the small room. Ravi was left stunned, unsure of what just happened, but alone on the bed. Was that a dream? He knew he couldn't tell anyone about what had happened, but he did the next best thing he could think of and found an old notebook shoved under a nightstand and ripped out a piece of lined paper. He had started to draw, painstakingly slow and meticulous by the glow of the candlelight. He savoured every last detail into his drawing of Christian so that Heather would have a tangible piece of him. 
The picture showed the baby, covers pulled up to his chest. A slight smile spread across his angelic face, his tiny head resting on the pillow in eternal bliss. Heather smiled, took the paper from Ravi's hand and kissed it. Oh, oh thank you, Ravi. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. Ray, do you want to go next? Say something about Sam? Ray shook her head and sniffed loudly. Her nose was beaten red, and she hid her tired eyes behind a pair of sunglasses. I can't. Come on, Ice Queen. We won't judge you. Come now. Sure you can think of something. Tell us a good story about you and her. Good idea, Devon. Tell us how you met. Ray wiped her nose with a tissue and shrugged her shoulders. A dreamy smile spread across her face and she sighed. <sighs> Sam and I went to high school together. I stayed here in Biloxi and started my tattoo apprenticeship. She went off to some out-of-state Ivy League school. I thought I wasn't going to see that girl ever again. But four years later, she's back in town, by my side ever since. The best years of my life. Very well put. <laughs> like usual, sister. Cat's heart lurched in her chest. His face registered no emotion as he made his way to the front. As he passed Ray, he gently touched her cheek. Jenny scowled at him from her seat next to Devon. I'm sorry I haven't been around much lately. I was... dealing with grief on my own. But now I'm back. To support my sister and all of you, of course! <clears throat> Sam was an amazing person. My sister loved her. No doubt about it. It was a love that's hard to find. Sam was easy to love because she was special. It's been... A rough couple of months. You know, and... I lost myself for a while, but... I'm glad you two made it back okay. He flashed a nervous smile that left Kat and Jenny feeling sick. Lord of mercy. I thought this was supposed to be a celebration of life. Were you people ever happy? All these tears are making me miss being in that old rusty cage. We had happy times in the past. It's been longer for some than for others. It's the sadness that'll motivate us to move forward towards better things. Yeah? Uh, how's that? In Russian, it's kotoske. It's literally untranslatable, but it's basically the deepest, most incredible sadness you can imagine. An intense longing in your soul that leaves you empty inside. The pain reminds us that there's always something to move forward to. The desire to fully capture that elusive happiness that we've all been forever chasing. For without valleys, how can we truly appreciate the mountains? Devon smiled and leaned back in his seat. You know, that reminds me of a song I was writing way back when. I was a bit of a music buff back in the day. But I suppose it could be relevant in today's world. Not now, Devon. This is supposed to be meaningful. All you do is play around. I am for real. I was a singer. I wrote songs. 
Self-taught I was. I want to hear it. Not now, Raylan. Some other time. <laughs> Heather, can I see the picture? Please? Be, be careful with it. Adrian gently took the picture from Heather's hand. An intimate pain flashed behind his eyes and he shuddered. His ex-fiancée, Julia, walked into their kitchen, her expression neutral, her eyes weary. Hey, babe. How was your appointment? It could have been better. I was able to get off duty a little early so I could make my girl her favorite dinner. Now, I know last time I made this, the rice came out crunchy, so this time I used couscous. Should taste about the same. Just stop for a moment, Adrian. What's the matter, Jules? I have something important to say. What is it? I'm not pregnant. But the test said positive. Well, it must have been false. Jules, I'm so sorry. But it's gonna be fine, I promise. We have plenty of time to keep trying. That's not all. Okay, what else? They saw an abnormality in my blood work, so my doctor sent it for genetic testing and the results came back today. And? Don't leave me in suspense. What did it say, Julia? The test confirmed I have Huntington's disease. What, what the hell is that? It means I'm going to die, Adrian. Slowly and painfully. No, you're not. It's gonna be fine. There's a treatment for everything these days. We can fight this and beat it. No, Adrian. You don't understand. It's not like cancer. There's no cure for this disease. It's an awful, terrible disease. We'll just get a second opinion. No! <laughs> the wedding is off. I'm not going to make you suffer for the next ten years while I slowly deteriorate. I'm not going anywhere, damn it. I will be at your side every step of the way. There's no way in hell I'm letting you go. Are you sure you want to drop out of the aerospace program, Lieutenant? You are top of your class and have an immaculate record. I'd hate to have to see all that talent go to waste. Yes. <clears throat> I, uh... Something came up in my personal life. I need to make a career change. What were you thinking, Lieutenant? How, uh, quickly can I get through medical school? Medical school? That's quite a leap. Are you getting married soon? Wife gonna be okay with never seeing you? It's complicated. Well, you could always apply for the PA program. Much quicker than an MD, I believe. What's a PA? Stands for Physician's Assistant. You would still have many of the capabilities of a physician, just shorter training and less pay. I don't know. Of course, if you are accepted into the program, you will need to put in a transfer request to Elkin Air Force Base. I would need to talk to my fiancé. Okay, Lieutenant. Keep me posted. Yes, ma'am. Is everything okay? Adrian stared at the picture a moment longer before he handed it back to Heather, 
who cradled it to her chest, lovingly. Yeah, sure. Kat felt a tap on her shoulder as she turned around to face Ira. Care to join me for a short walk? Uh, no, I don't think so. I really need to talk with you. It, it won't take long. I don't have anything to say to you, Ira. Ira smiled and rubbed his hand across her back in an effort to appear friendly. She said, fuck off. I just want to clear the air. Yeah? You want to clear the air about this? Adrian pulled up his shirt to reveal several, now healed, slash marks running parallel to his chest and stomach. Listen, calm down, brother. We were all upset that day. I lost my cool, but I haven't bothered you since. Shouldn't we let bygones be bygones? Adrian shook his head and took a protective step in front of Kat. Negative. I'm stronger than I used to be. I'll be fine, Adrian. She turned to Ira, shooting him daggers with her eyes. Let's get this over with. You need me to come with you? No. Ira and I are going to have a quick chat and be right back. The sky was overcast, but the air was still so dry and hot, Kat felt as if she might get a nosebleed if she stayed outside for too long. He's good with his hands, but, uh, he's not the friendliest guy of the bunch. Am I right? We aren't here to talk about Adrian. You know nothing about him. You know nothing about any of us. Right, right. Sorry. <clears throat> well, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. You know, for everything. I know it probably doesn't mean much, but I am, honestly. And why should I believe you now? You're nothing but a sheep, a sellout, a rat. You're very brave. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, uh, I'm afraid you've worn out your welcome here. You were foolish to think I would have forgotten what you've done. She told me everything. Every sick detail. What are you even talking about? He withdrew a small white bottle with a red funnel sticking out of the side of it from his pocket. Guns are always so loud. Ugh, I've never been a fan of them, really. Although, they are more convenient in a pinch. What is that? <laughs> you brought me out here to kill me? Don't be a cliche, Ira. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. He smiled at her and raised the can over his head and pressed down on the top with his thumb. They are. Kat turned her head to look in the direction he was pointing and her stomach lurched. A group of bashers, drawn by the sound, descended upon the metal fence. Instead of wavering under their combined weight, but maintaining an upright position, the fence buckled and snapped. Kat could see the chain link had been cut and pushed back together to appear normal. Ira threw his head back and cackled, bleating the air horn over and over, now in Kat's face. Ira, what have you done? Not only did Ira cut the chain link fence, but at the outer perimeter of the property, he had placed all the tools the commune had acquired over the last several months, the bashers screamed and scrambled for them as they entered the property. So that's your plan? Ruin the integrity of our home and expect everyone to forgive you? You're insane. The bashers began to trek towards the building. 
dragging axes, shovels, and hammers. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not staying here. He pushed her to the ground without warning and pressed a foot to her chest. You can't win this, cat. I've waited this long. And nothing will stop me now. You idiot! He smiled and kicked her in the stomach. Ready, darling? Cat desperately tried to get up, but Ira kicked her once more, knocking the wind out of her. Her eyes rolled back and she caught a glimpse of blonde hair next to Ira as they left her lying in the yard. She knew the bashes would be close to her now, but the pain made her nauseated. She regretted not allowing Adrian to come with her. A fishy smell permeated her nasal cavity and she gagged. Ira tossed a bucket of brownish-yellow liquid onto the commune's back door as he and the slender blonde walked towards the parking lot. He got away. The bit of an axe sliced into the ground, mere inches from her face. Cat rolled to the side as the basher reached for the handle to try again. Fortunately for her, this particular basher had only one arm and moved slower than others she had encountered. Cat grabbed the axe handle first and sliced off the basher's remaining hand. Another basher ran towards her, swinging a shovel over his head. She made a quick swipe with the axe, leaving his severed ankles and feet on the grass while his body plummeted backwards. What's that smell? Cat turned around to look at the building and saw a tuft of smoke rise from the liquid Ira poured on the back door. Within seconds, the door was alight. Flames danced along the archway, running across the roof and down the other side. No! The bashes surrounded her on all sides. She dodged them and swung her axe mercilessly. She screamed for Adrian to get everyone outside, but any noise was drowned out by the roar of the inferno. Get everyone to the vans. I need to find Cat. My brother's out there. We need to move everyone now. Relief flooded through Cat as she continued to fight her way through the horde. The others were safe and Adrian was coming for her. Cat, where are you? From within the basher chaos, she threw up her arm, a last-ditch effort to identify herself among the living dead. I'm coming, Cat. Hold on. I'm coming. opened her eyes and she was home. The familiarity of the island was all around her and she wondered if she had ever left at all. Is this a vision? Or is this real? Where is all the bashers? And the fire? And Adrian? Her question was answered when she heard a vehicle approaching nearby. Through the quick jungle brush she saw a jeep come into view. Her mother sat in the front passenger seat smiling from ear to ear as one of the locals drove her around. Cat didn't recognize him, but his clothing was that of a native islander. The jeep slowed to a crawl, carefully navigating over tree trunks and across deep puddles. Her mother's signature guffaw and ambrosial yips of laughter rose high above the canopy bed. Cat wished she could reach out and touch her mother. She was so close in proximity, but in reality, she was light years away in another world. The driver eventually turned off the jeep and hopped out. Cat stared in disbelief as her heavily pregnant mother gripped her belly and slowly got out of her side of the vehicle. 
The driver reached for her hand and helped her down. Thank you, kind sir. The man nodded but remained silent. Cat watched as Tani, the village matriarch, stepped into view. Her mother smiled upon seeing her, and they embraced briefly. You must be Tarni. So nice to meet you. Tarni nodded, her face already ridged with age. How far along now? Seven and a half months. I'll be fine. Just uh, give me a second. The sun will be setting soon. The tribe will be getting restless. They will be glad you're here. It's the perfect hour to take photos. The magic hour. Come. They are waiting for you. I wanted to thank you again for contacting me. To the outside world, this place doesn't exist. I'll be the one introducing your tribe to the rest of the world. I couldn't be more honored. Yelena stopped walking and put her hands on her hips, catching her breath. But tell me again. How did you get my information? Starring Journey Brown Saintel, Emily Husband, Chi Numembi and Joku Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, Gina Pietro Monaco, Sandy Jack, and me. Andrew Quintero. This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas, Jared Green, Abby Love, Christopher Power, Melissa Chambers, Nika Shakmordova, Sandra Lee, Ashley Couture, and me, Samantha Nixon. Uh, what do you think you're doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm doing the outro for episode nine. <sighs> so typical. Yeah, and what's that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing. Didn't you hear the story? We're over. You and me. It's just not fair. What's not fair? I just wanted... What? I'm more than just a flashback. Well, I know that. Yeah, well, they don't. Look, I'm really not supposed to say anything, but... What? It doesn't have to be over. Really? I mean, you and I are, but our story isn't. It doesn't have to be. Well, how can people hear it? Will it be in episode 10? Nah, I really shouldn't say. Come on! Don't leave me hanging in suspense. Well, you didn't hear this from me. But, if people wanted to find out what happened, they can subscribe to the Agonal Dreams Podcast Patreon. It's a bonus episode. What's Patreon? Patreon is a platform for content creators to run a subscription service. When you subscribe to be a monthly contributor, you can get rewards and perks, like bonus episodes, AMAs, and more. Oh my gosh! How exciting! I knew this wasn't the end for me yet. Thank you. <clears throat> Don't mention it. Should we, uh, finish the outro? Together? You read my mind. Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound designed by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Original music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Konstantin Nisyarovich. If you love the show and want to help support us, check us out online to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And if you want access to bonus content, including episodes and minisodes, as well as other great perks, go check out our page, Agonal Dreams Podcast, on Patreon. That's a wrap. You sounded great. Until next month.
Hey, wait a sec. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, I just want to talk. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre, and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night. <laughs>